This is Untold Stories of Perth, Part 3. Fear, curiosity, intolerance, delight. Difference can divide us. From the wrong side of the tracks to the cultural pulse of the city, this podcast explores Perth's divisive history. It's the late 1940s. The Second World War has just ended and there are waves of migration, particularly out of Europe, flooding towards Australian shores. The White Australia policy is beginning to be dismantled by the Menzies government, but its sentiment is still felt out in the community. Wherever you came from, as long as you were white, it was all right. Historian and author Richard Offen. But if you had a coloured skin, then it was less than all right. In those days, the um, racism was a little bit to the fore. Antonio Farinossi, who grew up in Northbridge. Uh, a lot of Australian people didn't like the Italians or Slavs or Greeks, so there was a distinct division. This uh, north side of the railway line was, was mostly foreigners. Here, amongst the brothels and the factories, the Italian community put down roots and created a little Italy to the north of the train line. Liata Aquarola. My father came here in 1951. He started a restaurant. His first restaurant was called Latin Quarter in William Street. Very, very successful. Was upstairs was a queue up of people. I remember when I arrived in here, that was just unbelievable. So my father bought the first more or less Italian cuisine in Perth. He was called Mr. Scalopini and uh, he was magic in the kitchen. This is what I'm trying to say, that neither mum nor dad nor I felt unwanted. Let's start from the beginning, John. Right. How old were you when you came to Perth? Twelve. And why did you come? Well, we were um, displaced persons, you know, refugees from communism. And so we joined up in the uh, camp, refugee camp in Naples. And we were supposed to leave from Naples to come to Australia, but... I got scarlet fever. In the end, I, I married a scarlet, so it's scarlet fever once again. When I arrived, I got up on deck and I looked out, and what did I see? I saw the dingo on the dingo flower. <laughs> see, I changed my name. My name is really Giovanni, Giovanni Giuseppe Giorgio Maria. Wow. But I changed it to, to uh, John. Giovanni to John. Yeah, to fit in. That's, that's, that's the, the, what, um, the sacrifice we're willing to do. To be, you know, real Australians, you sacrifice that. I voluntarily changed to, to John, but Grandma, she was made by the Italians, the fascists. Like she's Kranz, which is a Slovene name uh, from Graz, and they made a change to Ranzini. With every year that passed, they became more Australianized and less. Uh, Italian or Croatian. So even there, you know, you're sort of born in Italy, but of Croatian background, so you're a, you know, mixture. Did you have a sense that you were different to other families when you would go over? Did they have different family cultures? Oh, yeah, the food. The food was different. This is what we used to do with Ted. He'd bring his lunch and I'd bring my lunch and we'd swap it. You know, I'd get his polony and he'd get my salami. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you both kind of delighted in the difference. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, the difference is great. Going back there, is it another home or is it oh, yeah, no. familiar in a different way? What is it nostalgic? No, well, while, while auntie was still alive, I suppose it was, and, and also the other aunties and grandma, it was like going home in that sense. But once they died, it was really, as I say, the culture, uh, the sort of... Uh, Oh, well, the music, you know, all, all these things that make you feel good, but, but, but you always want to come home here <laughs> and quickly. <laughs> In addition to the Italian and Greek communities, there was another migrant population who had resided in the streets of Northbridge for over half a century, the Chinese. This side of the tracks was always considered to be the not-so-nice side of town. And so I grew up next to the Chunghua. Kayleen Poon of the Chunghua Association. For over 100 years, the association has been the key spokesperson and advocate for the needs of Chinese people in Western Australia. I think my father thought that, like a lot of migrants that, you know, came post-war, that you had to be an Australian. So that meant losing a bit of your own culture. I didn't even realise I was Chinese till we moved to the suburbs and I started school and some of the big kids would come down in recess or lunchtime and start calling me names. In 1954 at the census, there were less than 200 Chinese in the entire state of Western Australia. So we stood out like a sore thumb. Um, I went to Kent Street High School. I was one out of 1,200 students. So everyone knew me. I didn't necessarily know them, but they all knew who I was. It was a case of, well, we're such small numbers that we need to stick together and uh, try and put up a force or a front if, if needed to be. I'm down here at the celebrations for Chinese New Year and I'm watching the lion parade down the street, a symbol of power, wisdom and good fortune. The lion is said to chase away evil spirits and bring happiness, longevity and good luck. It still is relevant in the sense that we are the longest-serving ethnic community in Western Australia. It's about 60 different Chinese associations in the state. When times get hard, I'm sure they will all come together under the umbrella of Chunghua. Prime example is when Jack Van Tongren and his group were terrorising Perth with their anti-Asian sentiments. They were firebombing restaurants. All the bus shelters were just plastered with Asians go home and Asians out. And it, that was a, a point where you could see where the community definitely came together. It does go around in cycles, and that's why the Chunghua is still relevant. One of the main purposes of the Chunghua was to kind of look after the welfare of the Chinese community. So in the early days, if someone had to go to court or someone died and their bodies needed to go back to China, the Chunghua would assist or getting a doctor if needed be. But even that was problematic because there were no doctors that could speak Chinese. As Chunghua numbers declined, the club fell to Kayleen's father. My father became the de facto social worker. People were still being charged with smoking opium, so he would go to court, translate for them. Uh, those that needed to have medical attention, he would go and translate for them as well. 
uh, those that died, he would have to help bury them at Karakata. Walking through the streets of Northbridge today, the Chinese and Italian influence is palpable. Despite pressures to assimilate, both groups have formed communities and continue to contribute to the city today. This podcast was produced by Barking Wolf and me, Elsa Silberstein. Story by Mitchell Withers. Sound design by Tom Allen. Commissioned by the City of Perth. <laughs>